a new year is just around the corner. And on this episode of RV Miles, our resolutions for the RV industry in 2018. everybody and welcome to the RV Miles podcast, your home for RV and camping news, reviews, travel guides and more. I'm Jason and I'm Abby and this is episode 23, the final episode of 2017 for RV Miles. If you want to get today's show notes, you can pop over to rvmiles.com slash episode 23. You can also find RV Miles on social media at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you want to keep up with Jason and I and our three boys as we travel around this country, we are at ourwanderingfamily.com and we are also on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Today on the show, we are going to cover our wish list of things for the RV industry moving forward. We're in a big period of growth, as we've talked about time and time again, and it's time to sort of lay out some ideas to help improve the RV lifestyle. New year, new you, RV industry. This will be a shortened episode as it is our New Year's episode, and we're taking some time to be with family and then travel back and forth between family. (laughs) Yeah, we got to get in the car (laughs) as soon as this is done and drive Five and a half hours to my in-laws, Jason's parents, who are in the Quad Cities, the Iowa-Illinois border. It's always a lovely time to head over there. But yeah, we're going to do a lot of driving this week in the van, not in the bus. Bussy is staying here in the Kansas City area. We are taking the good old van. It's like old school throwback. (laughs) So the brain teaser is going to take a break for this week and it'll be back next week. Uh, And we're just going to get into our featured topic after we talk about one news item. Just one, but it's a biggie. It's kind of a biggie. 1.7 million Ram trucks are facing a recall right now from a a fault in the shifting mechanism. Yeah, it's not like, you know, the window may or may not roll down. It's your car may or may (laughs) roll down a hill. More like your (laughs) really heavy duty Truck. I sh- yes, I shouldn't call it a car. Truck. I apologize. There's <laughs> truck owners out there right now screaming at me. Everything's a car in my mind. And uh, so what can happen is the the shifter can be moved in a lot of these trucks without depressing the brake, which is, you know, really scary if you've got children or you've got dogs bouncing around your truck that or a giant might fifth wheel <laughs> might not <laughs> knock it into gear and roll it down the road. So make sure to get those checked out. You can go to the show notes page and we will have a link to where you can enter your VIN number and get your truck checked out. Yeah. And they do say for the time being until you actually get the truck into the repair shop or wherever they're going to have you take it to make sure you put that parking brake on at all times yeah. just to be on the safe side. All right, let's talk about our New Year's resolutions for the RV industry. You ready? Let's do it. Okay, so number one, and this one is, this one's a big deal to us. Near and dear to our hearts. Increased acceptance of tiny homes and bus conversions into the RV community. 
I would include vans yeah, as van well. Van life, as well. you know. I think conversion vans have been around for a long time. So I think there's there's already sort of an in there and and van dwellers have the ability to sort of go wherever they want. But there's still an issue there. You yeah, know? I guess you're right. They have a little bit more access to some of the private campgrounds that perhaps the tiny homes or the the schoolies do not. But I think it's also about acceptance of the lifestyle and not just the camp opening campgrounds, pi- private campgrounds to these different conversions, but looking at van life and bus life and tiny home living as real and accepted options to this full-time, part-time, or even weekend warrior traveling that we're all doing. Tiny homes are very often, if they're made by a manufacturer, they're RVIA certified. That's the Recreational Vehicle Industry Association that certifies all the RVs that are built out there. So, and, and they're really just we've talked about this many times, they're just custom RVs. So they can have as many different options that an RV has, or they can have very few and just be meant to, you know, be in one place for five months at a time. Some of them have full fresh gray and black water systems and RV electrical systems, and some of them don't. And and this idea that they're not built to travel, that they'll fall apart, uh, it's, it's just really not the case. And you know, many of them are built much better than your standard RV out there because they're built, you know, constructed like a house. Absolutely. And obviously, because we live in one of these alternative RVs, we feel really passionately about this. But I would love to be able to have more options for our family when we're out there traveling. And I would like to not be asked when I call a private campground, because ultimately we do have to call and check. I would like to not be asked if I would send a picture of my school bus. And usually for me, when someone asks me that, that's my kind of decision that, well, I don't think we're going to go to that particular campground. And that's our choice, just as it was our choice to do a bus conversion, just as it's someone's choice to purchase a tiny home. That is totally our choice. We love our county, state, and national campgrounds. And I don't know that that will change for us, even if we have more private options. It's just for an industry that is built on enjoying an alternative lifestyle of traveling and getting out in nature and experiencing all that the country has to offer. It would just be nice if we were inclusive of all people who are trying to do that. I think to sort of move this on to a a next one, I I think this also applies to that 10 year rule for RVs. You know, there are a lot of campgrounds that have a 10 year rule. If your rig is older than 10 years, you're either not allowed or they can not allow you if they want to, after they see it. And, and I, you know, it's, I, I get some of these campgrounds, especially if they're renting monthly, they don't want junkers and they want, ability to be able to say, Hey, we don't want this sitting on our property, but what it ends up being to a lot of people is discrimination. And, you know, 10 years is not that long to own a vehicle. No. If you think about that, that's saying at this point that there's the potential that if you were to buy a 2007, a 2007, that there are places you could go where you may or may not be welcome. And listen, I think it's important too to say 
These are private campgrounds. They're privately owned. Yes, these owners have the right to do as they see fit with their space, just as we have the right to not go there. And really, this is more just about maybe we can open our minds just a little bit more. Maybe we think about a 20 or, year or they're rule. just different different ways to write the rules the you know the rule could be about that your paint your paint is intact or or whatever it might be that different ways to to say you know we want 50 percent of your rig cannot be covered in rust <laughs> like yes <laughs> yeah, absolutely like <laughs> all right let's move along our next resolution is more campgrounds and more campsites there is obviously a ton of people joining this lifestyle and to, to pile onto that. So many campgrounds have now taken over some of their RV sites and built cabins on them or put a yurt in or, or have glamping or have RVs on them permanently that Mm -hmm. you can rent out. Uh, Which is all really cool options for people who maybe don't have their own RV. It's a great way to get them experiencing this lifestyle. But what it means is that there is a reduced number of campsites and the campsites that are available are being taken up by the many, many people that are on the road now, especially the ones that are, you know, living full time in monthly sites at, at some of these campgrounds. So it's very, very hard to get campgrounds where you used to not have to make many reservations at all. Now you have to make so many reservations and you have to have your, your life planned out pretty well in advance. And, and that's challenging. It's become almost like what the Disney dining plan is like. <laughs> what is it? 90 days, 180 days out before days, your trip. 180 days. You have to plan all of your, your restaurants that you're going to go to at Disney World. It does feel exactly like it that. It does. I, especially if we're talking about campgrounds in the West, in the Southwest. Anywhere it's warm during the winter. Yes. Next is a diversity in dealer offerings. And what I mean by this is... There are a lot of different, really cool new RV styles that are being created out there by some real small niche manufacturers. They're not being sold at dealerships. If you go to any dealership, you know that they've got, you know, two, three major brands and they've they've got a ton of them. And there are so many different floor plans and options at all those dealers. But the lack of the lack of dealerships and the lack of offerings at those dealerships is sort of cramping the innovation style in the industry. And I think if more RVs were available at dealerships, more options, that you would be able to see a lot more innovation in new styles of RVs out there. I think the lifestyle of the RVer is changing a lot too. And some of these newer, what you're calling innovative RVs, are being built and created to sort of meet and match this very rapidly changing industry. And so it would be great to be able to go to a lot in the similar way that when you get to go to an RV show, you just have so many options in front of you. It would be so great to be able to go to a dealer and have that same kind of experience and really get to feel out physically inside the space, like what is the right RV for you? Because you kind of know, I think, when you walk into an RV. Like you just kind of know, like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. I may not have known that I wanted this, but I I do. It's a lot of these things are are bound to happen soon. You know, 
we're growing so fast as a, as an industry that there's bound to be more campgrounds. There's bound to be more dealerships. There's bound to be more manufacturers. But in the meantime, while we wait for that to happen, campgrounds are going to be more difficult to get into. They're going to be more expensive as our RVs because of the decreased competition. Next on our list is a revolution in paint schemes. We love a good throwback. We love a good swirl and we love a good nature scene. We also really love options. <laughs> yeah, it's there's so many, you know, you look at some of the options from the manufacturers and the sort of swirp, swoop and swirl schemes all sort of look the same. And uh, you know, some of them look great, but not everybody wants to look like the RVer next to them. And that that's only going to lead to more interest in the industry when you start seeing some of the cool RVs that you are starting to see a few of out there. You know, Winnebago has all those new red trailers, yes. those bright red and bl- bright blue trailers. I think so those cool. are so cool looking. Uh, I think there's a reason why Airstreams stay as popular as they do, too. Obviously, the design, obviously, the way they're made holds up throughout the years. But because the outside of it is a pretty like neutral silver metal look, it doesn't really date itself. Yeah. And I think that that's a big thing. You can kind of tell with a particular RV, depending on the color scheme and how the designs are laid out on it, whether or not that is a 10, 15, 20 year old nature scene you're looking at. Now, I will say there is a reason they put all those swoops and swirls on the side of an RV. And that's that's because if you just looked at a blank white RV, it looks like a big box truck. Yeah, and nobody wants nobody that. Nobody really wants that. But I think, um, you know, I think some good designers could go a long way in, in making some new interesting looks for some, not only for, for the, the paint scheme, I guess, but some of the, you know, body styles of these vehicles. We need like a Coco Chanel to come in and do like a whole RV line. <laughs> we need to have RV fashion week. Hey, you know, <laughs> you, you're joking, but look, the, the, the different, um, I love that you think I'm joking. No, but the different. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Do I want Chanel to come in and do an RV? Yeah. That'd but be think great. Of the different versions of like the, the special edition Jeeps, you know, like the, Eddie Bauer edition, that sort of stuff. Didn't Jeep do a whole like national park edition too? I think or so. Yeah. Was it Subaru? I don't remember. One Somebody did yeah. a national park edition. Somebody come do a national park edition for RVs. That would be well, awesome. You know, and now that you say that, I I think there's this feeling that RVs need to look like sleek, modern homes. And I think a lot of people are looking for, I don't know what we were looking for when we built our bus. It wasn't, sleek and modern we're not looking for rustic either but something it reminds me of a like we really wanted like a 1950s station wagon with the strip of wood paneling down the side and the two colors like one on the bottom and one on the top you know what i'm talking about like that was sort of what i always had in my mind (laughs) the family station wagon with the christmas tree on top i think it's an adventurous feel that we were looking for you know, I think if you took the look of, like I said, Jeep, Jeep Wranglers, if you took the this the sort of shaping and 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 colors and and interiors of Jeep Wranglers and put that into a class ARV, how cool would that be? 
uh, the ruggedness, just the feeling of like this. Like is, we could take Bussy off road and she would totally like, survive it. This is a recreational <laughs> vehicle. Yeah. It is not a house. We don't need to necessarily have them all have glossy marble tile and, right. and fine cabinetry. But we want to have options. Yeah. So yeah. if someone would like to have that, I think that's fantastic. And then someone else can go get their yeah, rustic it's sleek. Just, it's just about National Park RV. Different types of RVs for different types of people. Different strokes for different folks, babe. So that feeds perfectly into the next one, which is better manufacturing quality. Mm-hmm. It's no secret Amen. that there is a, a crisis really in manufacturing quality in this industry. Well, Elkhart is hiring 3,500 people at this moment, or they were as of like a couple of weeks yeah. ago. They're having a hard time, like even keeping people in the RV capital of the world, putting these together. And those people that are putting them together are not necessarily getting paid the best. Uh, nope. And you know, there's the opioid crisis in that area. There's there's a lot of problems in in building RVs, not just building them, but really it's about they're they're built. You know, for the most part, they're built fine. When people tell you that you know they're made out of oatmeal and sticks, that's not true. the 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 choices that they make to build them are fine. It's the mistakes that get made in the manufacturing process. Accidental mistakes. Where things don't work, things aren't connected properly. There is not enough quality control. And we are not laying that down at the feet of the factory worker at all. That's not what we're saying. There are not enough employees going through the RV at the end of it being built to make sure that everything was done correctly. Yep. That's really what it comes down to. And I feel like that one out of everything else on this list, that would be my top because that's a real, that's safety. That's people putting their children their pets, their loved ones themselves into these vessels and getting out on the road. Part of it too, is that they're just, some of these RVs are getting more and more complicated. They have, they have more uh, electrical and computerized systems that do more, which is cool and exciting, but that, that also causes problems because with one thing goes wrong, it can cause other things to, to go wrong. So really some better manufacturing quality would be an excellent thing for this industry, which also feeds into our next item, which is more repair facilities because of the, partly because of the, the, the crisis in, in manufacturing quality, there is such a backlog of when you buy a brand new RV, you might be waiting six months to get the thing you need to get it on the road repaired at a repair facility. Yeah, we've heard stories of people who have had parts in their RV recalled, serious recalls, and they are sitting with their RV for months before they even get the part that allows them to use the RV that they paid all this money for. They might have planned, you know, an entire summer of traveling with their kids when they're off school and bought a new RV in the spring and they can't do it because their RV is not safe to do or, or, or just won't, you know, won't travel. Right. And we're not talking like one or two people here. We are hearing this in it's Facebook constant. groups across mm-hmm. the board and not a couple weeks, not one month, not two months, but like Jason said, six months, nine months so, being told it's a year before we can get this part to you. That is unacceptable. It's frustrating and it's detrimental 
to the industry and to the lifestyle if people start to say, well, good luck buying that. Like if you have anything that breaks or they recall anything, you're never going to get to use that RV this year. It's so bad that a lot of dealerships will not accept your RV for repair unless you purchased it at their facility for any, you know, any sort of warranty repair because it's just not worth it to them. And this, I think, is another area where skilled individuals really come into play and the need for them, because working on these rigs is a very fine art. Like it is something that you need to be trained in and trained well in, just like any other sort of repair industry. It's a niche and there's not enough people being encouraged to pursue this line of work. Yeah, You know, if you're if you are looking for a career change, a RV repair technician it's a it's a very well-paying job, especially if you go out on your own and you're a mobile repair technician. A lot of these RV that another issue is that a lot of these facilities that repair RVs started the the employees started to realize, hey, I'm making like you know thirty bucks an hour here, which you know to some people is is pretty decent. But I noticed that the that the company I'm working for is charging $140 an hour for labor to the customers. So, Hey, what if I just go and be a mobile repair technician, charge $120 an hour Heck, on my charge own, $80 an hour and, you, you know, know, make a lot more money and be, uh, be free of having a boss and being able to travel and all that. So there are schools that you can go to, for sort of two week education programs or six week education programs in learning how to repair RVs. And for the most part, we're not even talking about the engine chassis stuff. It's all the, it's all the interior stuff, the, the heating system, the cooling system, the refrigerator, all that sort of stuff. The electricals and the slides. Those are the things that have issues. And uh, you know, you can take your RV to, to a whole lot of different places to get the engine looked at, but you can't go to a whole lot of places to get the refrigerator looked at. Absolutely. Okay. Next on our list is quality gear at affordable prices. So we're talking about the, all the accoutrement. That, all that the you, stuff that Jason wants. All the cool stuff. I need it to be cheaper. You know, and, and this is something that people will tell you a lot if you get into this RV lifestyle is that it's just like with weddings. When you slap wedding on anything you're about to buy, the price doubles. Mm-hmm. Same goes for RV. It's a cup or for- camping. <laughs> you hear the word camping, yeah. camping gear, and the price just went up 25%. And then while you're standing there looking at it, the price goes up another 10%. Like it just keeps climbing. And again, this is a function of the amount of people looking for these products, the more people there are looking for them, the more people that are buying them, the more people that are manufacturing them, the better prices are going to be and the better quality is going to be. So Supply and demand. It, it and is. I think we see a really good example of that in what we have talked about in past podcasts in our inexpensive RV podcast that we did. The Yeti Cups. Yes, versus the, the Ozark Trail. The 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 vacuum insulated stainless steel cups is a perfect example. I'm willing to bet that they're all manufactured by the same company. <laughs> <laughs> I really am. It's or one possible. or two companies out there. And then so you've got Yeti selling them for $35 a piece 
You've got Walmart selling them for $5 a piece. And then you've got other places where you can buy them. Now you're starting to see them crop up at Menards and all over the place in sort of the $10 range for like a 16 ounce cup. But Yeti still puts that Yeti name on there and sells them for 35 plus you pay, pay extra for a lid. Yes. Now, on the flip side to that, though, I will say that no one has been able to replicate the Yeti cooler. If I wanted that particular type of cooler, well, they, they I would have, go but for Yeti. Still very expensive. I yes, mean, the Ozark Trail makes one that that works really well. I mean, it gets Walmart. We're not the hugest Walmart fans. We don't think you should go buy everything at Walmart. No, we don't. Walmart does a lot to sort of force their manufacturers to to make almost no money on the products they sell. But Yeti is a big, you know, outdoor name brand that. Cap that that respected, told, but they shout out they, to Yeti. We're not trying to in on their cachet because mm-hmm. they're they make some cool stuff. But yeah, there are some coolers out there. You you could look at the Pelican cooler we talked about. It's only about ten percent cheaper, but I think it's a better cooler. And uh, and there are other brands that make these super heavy duty insulated coolers. But but the Yeti ones, oh man, they're sweet. They, they are. are. And they are. let's not be fooled. I mean, I walk into Cabela's outdoor world, camping world, and I get little RVs in my eyes and they just start sparkling and everything. I want all of it. That's true. And it's really about stepping back and asking myself, do I even need a cooler? Cause I have a refrigerator. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what am I going to keep cool when I'm outside? I, I literally so. travel with a refrigerator. <laughs> Why am I buying a $350 cooler? It's Ah. the same question you ask me when you say you already have a pair of boots. Why do you need this other pair? And I say, because that pair's different and I will wear them with this outfit. It's just a need. It's not a want. It's a need. But I do think that there is a fine line and I think that we may have crossed it in a few areas where what you would think are just everyday items because they market them for RV. Mm-hmm. They're so much more expensive. We talked about that with the electric kettle, with a French press, a camping French press. And perhaps if you're going to be in the back country, you need to spend $50, $60 on a camping French, French press. Bread. But if you're in your RV and you're traveling, you don't need it. Yeah. We want it. But we don't need it. The, you know, $15 French press from Target is completely fine. And we're all about buying quality gear that's going to last. But there is there's a difference between quality and more expensive because of the brand and and the lifestyle that it's for. And French press is a perfect example. It's just a glass dish inside of a little metal container with a with a press on it. But it contains the elixir of life and you don't mess with that. Okay. You still got to make a good cup of coffee, babe. It's true. All right. The final item on our list. Social acceptance of full-time RVers and full-time RV families. We, and it's getting, it's, it's getting better. but Way there, better. And, and we have, we have had great experiences with our family and our friends. Everybody has been so excited for us they've been cheerleaders they've been supportive but we have seen time and time again 
people that choose this lifestyle being told they're putting their children in danger. They're mooching off society because they don't want to have a job or pay taxes, which couldn't be further from the truth. They still do that. Um, or we've seen article after article in, in the news recently talking about senior citizens that are so poor that they have to go live in their RV and travel around and work for peanuts at these campgrounds. When the, that sounds the, awesome. The articles <laughs> fail to, to actually interview these people and say, hey, these people chose this lifestyle. That's what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. This was the way they could afford to travel the country. And, and, and I, you know, I don't doubt that there are people, there are plenty of people out there that are living in motorhomes because they can't afford to do anything else. And they go buy a $1,000, 30-year-old motorhome and, and, and live in it. But that should be acceptable too. There are two you know, sides to every I, I coin. That there, there are cities left and right that are making rules and regulations about where motor motorhomes can park or, or travel trailers because of this issue of homeless people buying RVs and, and living in them. And what do you expect? Where I mean, <laughs> they yeah. need a place to live. Is is there something so wrong with that? You know. No, and I think that that is a completely different discussion, it though, is, for a is, completely it, it different gets, podcast. But it all gets but, it all gets crunched together in in the news sometimes as this mass problem. They they assume that everybody that is living in their RVs full time is doing it because they can't afford to do something else. Either that they have, they assume that, or they assume that everybody living in an RV is so rich. <laughs> That they don't need to have a job, that they can afford this million-dollar RV, that they can afford all these expensive campgrounds. There's no middle ground. Nobody assumes that people that are living in their RVs are just everyday, normal people wanting to go explore. And this PSA has been brought to you by RV Miles (laughs) Podcast. I completely agree. I think at the end of the day, to each their own and... Treat others as you would want to be treated. And people who go out on the road with their kids, they are not harming their children. They're not harming themselves. And this lifestyle is just another alternative way to live life. And if it's not hurting you, let it be. Be like the Beatles and let it be. That's all I'm saying. I think on that note, that is a perfect spot to wrap up this New Year's special edition of the RV Miles. Yeah, because we got to go jump in that car we do. and get these and kids to their grandparents. Very, very cold weather, oh my single gosh. digit. Why are we still in the Midwest? Why are we here? We have a <laughs> home with an engine that can take us to warmer climates. And it will. And it will soon. But we had a wonderful holiday. We continue to have a wonderful time here with our family in the Kansas City area. It's always hard to say goodbye to them. But we also want to thank you guys as well as we roll into 2018. Thank you for sticking with us. 23 episodes in. I can't believe it. It just feels like yesterday, warmer days when we started this. If you are enjoying this podcast, please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to us on. Please share with your friends and family as you are around the table this New Year's Eve and this holiday weekend. And please share us across your social media. But regardless, thank you for being here. Thank you for making 2017 a really exciting year. And we look forward to sharing 2018 with you as well. We do. 
Keep logging those RV miles and we'll see you out there on the road. See you next week. Bye.